Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. From the floor to key to DP, just ride. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Bayhide Pod. If you have any feedback for us, please reach out to us at bayheightspod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at bayheightspod on Twitter and Instagram. Ryan, how are you doing? Pretty good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It is really hot here. I don't know if you've heard about it on the news, but there's just it's it's like a heat wave of some sort. And uh, it's just scorching. But, I mean, I noticed it feeling particularly hot here. Um, it's a bit like Singapore in a way, so it's not like I haven't felt it before. But this um, is an adjustment, pretty much just, um, that's kind of why I'm just drinking a ton of water, trying to just stay okay. hydrated. How about there? How's the weather? Weather's pretty good, um, okay. but I too have never experienced heat like, let's see now, I was in Florida in the month of October a few years ago, and right. Houston in September a couple of years ago as well, and it was just oh wow like our septembers in toronto are just not like this like there's like, like the weather gods have a little bit of mercy come like fall um and it's just okay. here and you being on the west coast i can only imagine is it in when you're florida or houston was it really humid yes um okay. no houston i feel like it was a little can't remember houston for some reason but yeah florida is just pure humidity of course okay yeah. it's like when uh so singapore is right on the equator so mm-hmm. when you walk out of the airplane and you're in that little tunnel, you know, the bridge before you get into the airport, you could just, the humidity just hits you. Like you'll just oh, wow. feel it. Mm. So then it's funny, like when you're not from there and it hits you, you're just like, oh, wow. It just punches you. And then after a while, you just kind of don't really think about it. It's, it's funny. You just get used to the idea of just sweating all the time. <laughs> you wake up and sweat. You go to bed after you shower. You're about sweating. It just becomes a status quo. Yeah. Um, except except <laughs> the lo- except the locals in these hot climates are also also wearing like dress pants and dress shirts like mid afternoon because <laughs> they've just yeah. I don't know how they've climatized to just that. So, ins- they just shut yeah. off their body from sweating. I don't know how they do well, it. Well. It's funny. Yeah, you're right. Like I would wear long sleeves and long pants to work. Now, I mean, I didn't dress in a suit because the dress coat was a little more loose than that, like in tech. But like the thing is, is majority of the day, you're just in your office. And like, mm-hmm. so you're indoors, you're not feeling the sun. When you do go outside, you're maybe outside for 10, 30 minutes, maybe 60 for lunch. And even then you're going somewhere else where you have some kind of covering or some kind of fan or whatever. Uh, and then at the end of the day, which for a lot of people is like 6 or 7 p.m. when they're on their way home from work, like they just work longer. So in some cases, the sun is already down. And so then you're not really feeling the actual brunt of all the heat the majority of the time. So that's kind of why I'm always wearing long sleeves. And also because the offices, they're super cold. Like the aircon is blasting at a level that you're just like people who come from like North America. Like we're just not used to that. It is right. insane how cold those offices are. I used to think I would get sick going in and out of buildings because they were super cold inside and super hot outside, but mm-hmm. you just, you just acclimate. So that's, that's why that's part of why, but this yeah. the tie and the jacket. You don't see that. Not in that kind of, not For in sure. the equator. Mm-hmm. Um, so dude, the, uh, 
the media. We've dropped a lot of comments just about different things we hear. I mean, the the professional sports has been so, I guess for lack of a better word, professionalized that even the coverage is now covered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we That's wanted true. to talk about like, yeah, like our takes, like what we like, what we don't like. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, if it's okay, I just want to start off. I can tell you Go what ahead. I mean right away, just to get okay. it right out of the way. Is one of my big dislikes about basketball media is really anything up in NBA Canada, anybody related to covering the Raptors, whether <laughs> it's sports in general, whether it's specifically basketball, anybody in Canada, anybody in Toronto, whether it's Leo Routens, Jack Armstrong, Chuck Swirsky, who's gone on to Chicago. I dislike all of them. I actually wonder if I would like Chuck more now that he's not covering the Raptors, he's actually covering the Bulls. But I probably wouldn't like him for the Bulls either. But um, but that that's just – and the reason why, I would say – there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a towny feel to how they cover that team and how they talk about it. It's just very, it's like they're they're selling me a bunch of they're just selling me a bunch of BS basically. Like we know this Raptor team sucks, and then they keep this is back years ago when I was still there, and then they keep trying to tell us why we got to be hopeful and to root for these players that we know just suck or whatever. I don't know. I, I just didn't I didn't like it. Maybe it's I wouldn't like any regional broadcasters because I don't like regional broadcasters in general. But anyway, that's right off the bat. What are your thoughts on any of the Canadians? Is there anybody you want to defend in Canada? Yeah, I guess I will have to defend them, right? Because I'm the guy that said, uh, actually, I'm not the guy that said, I'm the guy that did. I watched the Canadian broadcast of the Raptors finals rather than okay. um, rather than Breen, um, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson. Because Mark Jackson is just the, <laughs> the NBA tree. Like, I, I, listen, I, what didn't you like about Mark Jackson? I I dislike the fact that he adds nothing to a broadcast, and <laughs> Mike Breen will say something contributes. Jeff Van Gundy will say something contributes, and then comes Mark <laughs> Jackson deflates. And I I mean hand I down what, man down yeah. Oh God! Like how is that a, exactly hand down man down? It doesn't even make hand sense. hand up. So what? Yeah, doesn't even make sense. Um, <laughs> I had a feeling I would not like Mark <laughs> Jackson because if you remember that he was not well-liked as a coach because this guy would be up by 15 or down by 15 and he was doing um, offense-defensive matchups with like 90 seconds. To go. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't remember that. Yeah. Okay. And listen, I had no problem with him as a player. I really liked him as um, as a Nick, as a Pacer, and then he came to Toronto for a bit. He was actually really cool um, locally. Um, I don't know if you remember, but he was part of – he was a big – he was a big contributor to the um, first ever Vince Carter charity game, which has to be okay, some yeah, sort of record for, for sellout of a charity game. But so, yeah. And I had this debate with people saying that, Oh, you have to, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have to listen to the Raptors on, on the big boy feed because Mike Breen's going to say bang. It's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I actually, I actually don't have to do it. I can watch, I can put on mute. I can actually turn on the radio, right. And tie my, TV to make sure there's no delay. Um, I can do whatever I want, really. Um, so, <laughs> listen, I'm not going to argue with you that these guys aren't homers. What I will defend the um, Chuck Swarovski's onions, baby, and the um, Matt Devlin's yeah. and Leo and Jack is, yeah. first of all, these are all Americans or Americanized yeah, Canadians, whatever, yeah, right? American, and yeah. and they. They love our city. They love our team. They're homers. I think they're produced to be homers. Well, they're I know paid, right? That's, yeah. But, but, but produced. Team. But produced. I, I, think, I think 
you know, I think they, you know, whenever there's a long range three, they have to say, oh, from Mimico, Ontario. I mean, they, they, yeah, they, they have to that, say yeah. that. I know you hate okay. it, but it's like I just like how I'm able to wall off Drake at Raptors games. I'm able to wall off the things I don't like. I will say this. I do like when Jack gets fiery um, because okay. here's a guy. Yeah, because Jack, um, those those playoff. I hate that too, Rap- but keep going. Right, but the Raptors when 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 he would call bullshit on when LeBron gets an easy call, you know, it's a foul, but here is like DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry just getting butchered going to the rim and they get nothing and he's just He's um, whining. Yeah, I don't I don't like him for that. Like here's what I don't I, like I, about Jack. To, to me to, to me to me it's not whining. I just like, like so I guess you and I just have different tastes. Which, which he's different just voice. like he's sounding like the Toronto fan like Looking at ways to hack around LeBron when really all you have to do is do what the Raptors just did this week when they beat uh, last week when they just demolished the Lakers. That's all you have to do. Who cares if you're getting calls? Just demolish the team by 30, and it doesn't matter what the refs are doing. So, like, uh, I didn't so, like Jack. Yeah, but, but, so, but hold on. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Okay, so Jack, I remember what, like, when this was around the, the Bargnani years when someone, the, the beginnings of analytics, and then he's like, mocking analytics he goes i don't know what the stats say i just know what i my eyes see and i'm like you know what could you imagine your stockbroker looking at a bunch of companies and saying to you i don't know what the stats say i just know what a good company is like you'd you'd be like you're out of your mind like this i just can't stand people like jack armstrong he doesn't look like an intelligent guy he doesn't sound like an intelligent guy he never says anything that i think yeah you know what i um i actually learned something from him he just takes up air i just want him to go away just give the money back because you you robbed the Raptors of <laughs> wow. of, of the money by not adding value. You've taken away value by driving people like me away. Don't do it. Go away. Okay. Sorry. So so I think so. I I've I'm not trying to sound contrarian. I've had almost the exact opposite. I actually okay. I actually, <laughs> I guess you know. Listen, if he soured you from the beginning, you're almost don't even care if he says a saleable point, and that's fine because I have that about some people too, right? Um, uh, you know, once they say one dickhead thing, I'm, you know, whether <laughs> but, or not okay. they say something until afterwards, I, I just don't care because but I've already to be honest, judged you. It's not because of just that one comment. It's just to me that that comment illustrates his ignorance. But whenever he's talking about anything, he sounds like a guy that is not capable of critical reasoning. He sounds like a guy who has never put any thought into anything, but the reason he has a job He's a bit like a populist politician, not naming any names. People that can talk to a bunch of dumb people and get a lot of support because they're yes. dumb like him. That's, yes. that's basically what Jack, Ar- Jack Armstrong is. I hate it. Uh, sure, but... Um, I, okay. to be honest, and to, just to give you the nothing. ranking, I hate him more than every other broadcaster in Canada. I hate them all. Oh, they all get an F. Wow. He's like wow. below up the mark. Yeah, I, I could probably introduce you to a couple that, you know, if, if you did like hockey and other things like... Um, listen, Jack. Jack is not anyone's cup of tea and he's not anyone's glass of wine which i have no doubt that he consumes large amounts of alcohol before getting on a <laughs> telecast and maybe that doesn't work for him um he's I, what i'll say is is that he's not even close to being the worst homer so you might not like him but i just so i saw a rockets game um, and I saw a bubble game, and these were local Houston Rockets guys, and it was it was terrible. And I think for Toronto, is like, listen, we want to be a big TV media market, which 
we are, um, but we want to ascend to the next level. And I think what you're trying to say is we're never going to get there with these guys. And I, well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. I'm just saying for me, in terms of my viewing experience, I'm completely comfortable with them. And I can be convinced that we can do better. Of course I can be convinced, but you clearly have a disdain for them that it, 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 it turns you off. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you on that because I know that I know a lot of people didn't care for Chuck, man, because Chuck was very onions and all these whatever um, produce he would throw at people to describe their genitalia. <laughs> I, I get it. It doesn't work for some people, right? Um, I just didn't buy him, um, but yeah. You know, okay, The not to take this too far away, but the, the what actually will prevent Toronto from becoming a major media market in mm-hmm. this land mm-hmm. is because of the CRTC. The CRTC, the of Canadian course. Radio Telecommunications uh, Commission, of course. like yes. re- regulating what channels and what content can show up in Canada. Whereas ESPN has ESPN Europe, ESPN like Asia, like all this stuff. So, so like if the CRTC didn't exist, then ESPN could just broadcast into Canada, and it could just be like this one full integrated market. Then yeah, Toronto can actually matter as a market. Except then you know they think that Canadian content matters, so yeah. then we're stuck with these guys, um, and then right. they don't. They're, they're never going to get airplay, right? So. Right. So anyway, so, so um, to to um sorry, just to give you another example, because when the Jays were in the playoffs recently, um, we had to get the TBS feed, uh, TBS or Fox, I can't remember. And I actually really like Buck Martinez and Pat Tyler and Dan Schulman. Dan Schulman, you know, uh, covers basketball as well. And we had to hear um, Harold Reynolds talk about how, because um, there was a pop fly at one point. And it went deep into the uh, seats at Roger Center, a.k.a. Sky Dome. And Harold Reynolds says something to the effect. Now, this is a former baseball player who's played in Toronto. And he said something to the effect of, well, I know these fans are used to hockey. But, yeah, I mean, I hope they realize when a foul <laughs> ball is coming at them that they have to take precautions or something so stupid. And I think to myself, why the fuck am I listening to Harold Reynolds um, talk baseball? Like, I'd rather have my homer guy. And that's kind of the same feeling I had when I was trying to watch the ESPN feed. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool hearing, um, you know, Mike Green and, uh, and Jeff Van Gundy, but I guess I'm with you. I mean, you, you can't stand Chuck. And I, I guess I just have an equally um, disdain for Mark Jackson for whatever reason, but I can't, I can't articulate as well as you. So um, I think who I particularly like in terms of basketball media because I like I told you who I don't like, who I do like mm-hmm. stands out is really, I would say the ESPN team is quite credible. Mm-hmm. Like generally speaking, I know I get sort of caught up in narratives that they try to force on people, but they're just the most credible. They're just the most balanced overall. And who jumps out? Like, um, I mean, Woj is not really a good point because he's just reports and there's nearly nothing to really opine on him. But Brian Windhorst and Kirk Goldsbury really come to mind as guys who can kind of give thoughtful analysis, give great context. Rachel Nichols, I'm a big fan of like just the daily essays that she gives on the jump, um, which I mean, it's the the fact that they can't be in studio, I think hurts the product a little bit more. Um, just a lot of good insight. Uh, Chinea Ogunuke, those, those are the kind of the big four that really come to mind as to who like really puts a lot of thought into their work and mm-hmm. sounds generally positive and not negative. Um, yeah. But yeah, who who stands out? Because getting away from the negative, who who do you particularly like in terms of in basketball media? Um, so I've always kind of, um, I guess, if I had to describe the style that I like um, in today's, I like. I actually 
see, it's funny. You mentioned Woj is just a uh, guy that reports, and that's that's kind of what I want. I want this. I like my sports, believe it or not, to be so. I mean, people who have heard me for a while and, and those who know me know, oh my God, he likes pro wrestling and he likes um, he likes these larger than life athletes. Yes, yes. Emphasis on athletes. Um, I love my Dennis Rodmans and Chad Ochocinco's and, um, you know, keep those guys okay. coming. But I really like, if I could... The announcer to be the announcer. I want my, I basically want my sports personalities to be a mix of PBS NewsHour and NPR Radio if I really need a deep dive. I just yeah. want... I just want, just shut up and give me my sports. Give me yeah. what I need. I don't need your perspective. If, if I yeah, do, okay. I'll ask <laughs> for it. So um, you like, yeah, you, just, you like the idea where mean Gene Okerlund is keeping it straight before, like, as opposed to like Jim Ross right. getting a little too much, like to be a face. Yeah. A little bit, but yeah, I suppose. Well, wrestling's a little bit different once you put it that way, but yes. <laughs> like, and so Wojnowski is, is perfect. I, I, that's why I follow him on Twitter because he's not going to really give his opinion okay. and he's not really going to, um, tweet out um, his meal at Denny's either. He's just going to give me basketball, which is what I want. Um, Do you ever listen to his podcast? I don't, know. Oh, you know, I shouldn't say that. I listen to, to clips and, um, okay. yeah, what, um, what are you trying to get at that? He probably does have an opinion on this podcast. No, no, well, he's very insightful. Like, the way he, sure. um, the way he asks questions, they're just, a, there's a they're deeper, he probes, and you can see how gotcha. over time he would build relationships with people. Right. Um, which is how he then breaks all these stories because yes, it's a sort of a, a virtuous cycle. They build, yeah. um, the, like build up the relationship and then they're mm -hmm. trusting him. And then, then, you know, there, there is a bit of, uh, what's the word, um, strategy, like from the agents and the players, like they want to convey mm -hmm. a certain message and Woj is a bit of the mouthpiece to like, of course, happen. of course. And you um, get that by, and, and, the reason why I like him is because you only get that reputation from, from being a good person and we'll get to the yeah. people I don't like because I don't think they're good people. So dive into it. Who, who don't you like? Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll just kind of get into my okay. evolution of, of the people sure. I don't like because okay. um, I don't know about you, but you know, you grow up, you watch the players and then somehow we start liking media members. Right. So, um, you know, Woj, I like David Aldridge. I like uh, Jay Andade, middle of the road guys. The Man, these guys agenda. are gone, though, eh? Like, Aldridge is on the athletic. No, he's not even on TV anymore. Jay Adande is, like, gone to become the head of the Middle School of Journalism right. or whatever. The, he's the, gone the, to the academia. But... I'm just giving you context of, you know, who I like. I just like, you know, zero ego guys, right, if I can, okay. if, that, if that makes sense. And, you know, growing up, and, you know, you can speak to this, too. It was tough to get um, – it was tough to consume basketball, especially pre-Raptors and even early inception of Raptors too. I mean, we basically would be lucky to see Bob Costas, Ahmad Rashad, Hannah Storm, Bill Walton, you know, love him or hate yeah. him, hate him in our case. Um, <laughs> um, Isaiah Thomas, I think it's important to note because I think he was the first player for me anyways that I saw play. And then, you know, he was kind of put in the booth like, oh my God, here's this Hall of Fame guy. And now he's calling okay. games and... In your um, life, like because of yeah, 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 that I can that I can remember, and and I, I really like John Saunders uh, for the Raptors, and he went on to um, do uh, oh, ESPN right. the Reporters, which is probably the best format. I mean, if I have to tip my cap off to what is um, a beacon of sports journalism and basketball, journalism, okay, yeah. it is ESPN the Reporters. Just four guys talking, 
very sophisticated. Um, yeah, you know, it's something that it's something that unfortunately I can't see a lot of today's guys doing. You know, I, I think I reserve that for for uh, for a few that that could pull off. The they were doing a program a, like that. They were, that though today that would be a podcast. Like you wouldn't really put that on exactly. TV yeah. Um, yeah, Jim Rome. I've I think Jim Rome was the first foray into. Okay, here's a guy that knows his sports, but he's definitely he's he's definitely trying to work. He's definitely trying <laughs> to get his shit in. Um, I don't know if you remember the famous uh, interview with him and um, and David Stern, where he was. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he was just playing devil's advocate. Like, repeat it back. Here. Repeat it back for the listeners. Tell what happened. Well, I guess it was. Um, I guess it was the New Orleans Hornets were kind of owned by the NBA, and they got the first overall pick, right? And yeah. Jim Rome just calmly said to David Stern, "I think it was a nothing question. I think he even prefaced it by saying, Listen, Commissioner, some people are saying the fix is in.' He never said that he said the fix was in, and David Stern just lost it because I think the um, he I said, believe, "Shame oh, on you said, for that." Oh, he said, shame on you for asking. And then he said the most money line ever, which I didn't even know was a money line. I actually thought he goes, have you stopped beating your wife yet? And I, like, <laughs> Jason, 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 I had no idea that was lawyer speak for a loaded question. I thought that David Stern actually knew something about Jim Rome and that he was beating his wife. I had no idea that was New York lawyer speak. I lost my shit. There was no Google back then, or maybe I didn't have access to it. I'm like, Jim Rome beats wife. I'm like, this guy's never had a domestic abuse charge. What the hell am I missing? It took me years to realize how cunning that comment was and how, oh, my God, how an OMG moment that was. But, yeah. Um, Wait, explain the context beating your wife I didn't. Yet? Was there more context than just that? I just took no, that line. No, 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 but... no, 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 no. That was, that was just David Stern being a lawyer. It, it's, it's, I've talked to lawyers. Yeah. And that is like it, it's it, that's that's the loaded question that you ask in in some what do you way. Mean? Like, oh, because don't you get it? If you're asking a yes or no question to a witness on the stand, how how do you answer that? Yes or if no. If, right? if I'm a lawyer and I'm saying, um, I won't use your name because you're a good guy. I'll say, um, Marcus, have you stopped beating your wife yet? That's gonna put the witness in a compromising position because he's got to answer yes or no, and both don't look good, right? No, okay. I haven't. I haven't stopped beating my wife. Yes, I have stopped beating my wife, implying they used to be <laughs> right. That's why it was just. It was. It was brilliant. It was brilliant radio. I recommend all of our listeners to um to listen to this clip. Anyways, Jim Rome for me was well in such a situation. Just you would you would have to say I reject the premise of the question. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, but Jim anyway. Rome got Jim Rome clearly got hot, and you can again if you listen to the clip, he gets really hot because. <laughs> He's, he knows what David Stern is implying. And, and get this, David Stern ends it by saying, I got to go call someone important like Stephen A. Smith. So in 2012, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith is an important person. Man, have we come a long way that, uh, yeah, it's just what a, what a twist in irony that uh, 2012 <laughs> Stephen A. Smith is somehow this wholesome um, you know, in man of integrity, zero spin well, sports. No, no, I, we can we, the way I interpret let's, that. Let's, no, the way I interpret that though was that yeah. Stephen A. wasn't the brand that he is now. Jim right. Rome was higher. He was. I mean, he was still, but he was a firebrand in terms of how he portrayed himself. But David Stern is trying to take a shot at at Jim Rome. Of to course, say, he like is. I'm going to talk like you're 
like you're like a, a peon. I'm gonna go talk to somebody else better. Yeah. When he wasn't when he wasn't there yet, like he is. Today. Yeah, he wasn't as over. Sure, but but I think also it speaks to maybe Stephen A. Smith, little junior Stephen A. Smith was, you know, eight years is a long time, and there's been a you lot know I gotta tweets, say, and there's been a lot of tweets since then. There's been a lot of takes. Stephen A. Smith has, I mean, we you can't talk yeah. NBA basketball without Stephen A. Smith. Jim Rome's fallen off. Like yes. I don't really hear about him anymore. No, uh, Stephen A. Question: Like, so what's your take on him? What do you feel about him okay, right now? And I'll tell you something that comes in my mind about him. Sure, sure. He's not the worst. I'll get to the worst in a second. But but he's okay. he's of that. So I put um. So um and sorry, just to uh, backtrack. I also had Keith Olbermann, who was also falling off. I mean, these were kind of the prominent. Um, oh, smart, Keith smart, alecky sports guys. Yeah, that and guy. Then, Forget him. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Like he should have just uh, stuck to sports. He should have stuck to sports. Uh, sure. Sure. I have no. Yeah. But we're just talking in the sports context again. I yeah. just. I always. I always dug Oberman. I always dug Jim Rome because you know I'm. Um. You know. Um. Uh, full disclosure. I, I do enjoy. Um. Bill Maher's uh, politically incorrect show. Um. Oh my God. What am I talking about? Politically incorrect. I was thinking of his old show. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, Bill Maher on HBO, he always has his new rules segment, which I always thought was just always well-written, whether you agree with it or not. And I felt like these guys had the sports equivalent, um, that being uh, Keith Olbermann and uh, and Jim Rome. They always had kind of the the sports take, the closing argument. They, they really had that down down pat, and I um, always kind of dug them about it. Um, sorry, we were going to talk about – Stephen A. So Stephen A. So I put Stephen A. in um, – kind of this Jim Gray, Colin Cower, Jason Whitlock, Shannon okay. Sharp, um, Stephen A. Smith, um, and then, of course, to the um, the star of today's show, at least for me, uh, Skip Bayless. Um, so I put him in that in that section, in that um, okay. concentric circle. Whereas I think the ESPN shows that you spoke about, like, you know, I think there's um, – you know, I think of Will Bond and Kornheiser around the horn, highly questionable Mike and Mike, mm-hmm. and then Max Kellerman and Nick Wright. I kind of have those guys as, all right, I'm going to always agree with these guys, but if I put it this way, if I had to, if I, if I watch an NBA game or I watch an NBA moment, a big trade, whose opinion do I want to hear? I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the latter than I did the former in terms of okay. whose opinion I really value and want to hear. Stephen A. in the NBA has relationships throughout the league, right? If you remember Tracy McGrady when his farewell, like he actually gave a shout out to Stephen A. for being "quote unquote" a voice for the players. Wow, um, <laughs> wow! Because okay. it's true, though. Like if you think it's... back to the way the league was back when Tracy McGrady was retiring, mm-hmm. you didn't have such a player first mentality of the league and the media and the fans, like. Um, Stephen A. was one of the first guys in the media to actually sort of. Bring, like, speak on the topics as if he were representing a player point of view. And he was one of the more prominent and really one of the few black members of the media too. Right? So that was a bit of it too. Don't, don't you think, don't you think with all that clout that the fact that he has his own players is also not a good thing because yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're either, you're either in the Stephen A club or you're not. And unfortunately the online mob, just yeah. looks at things yeah. that black and white. So, and and I know he's smart enough to realize, or at least it's been pointed out to him, right? So, you would think that someone with that reputation would know how to better handle it, you know, because 
here he's thinking of how his 30 minute take will do well in terms of hit wise on Instagram. Right. So anyways. Well, so you're um, right. I mean, that's like what the issue was with for Jeremy Lane, right? Jeremy Lane kind of got taken yeah. down by Stephen A. I thought it was kind of interesting. So, so I never, I always searched for it, but I've never seen a single clip where he was asked about, or he was certainly responded to anything about Stephen A. No one's ever asked him, Hey, what about Stephen A said right. this, you got a comment. No, and he's never addressed it by name. The closest I ever saw anything was the 60 minutes interview he, he did where, mm -hmm. um, they asked, what do you, is there any misconception, something to the effect of Steve Croft is asking some question, like, right. is there any misconceptions about, um, or, sorry, it's Charlie Rose, any misconceptions about, uh, about Jeremy Lin? And he, he dropped a phrase that was really literally taken right out of Jer uh, Stephen A's, was, uh, Stephen A's commentary. Because Stephen A once gave, and I think you could probably even find it on YouTube, where he said, Jeremy Lin is all about the money, blah, 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 blah. Like this was when he mm -hmm. signed the $25 million deal. With right. Because that was the only offer given. The Knicks didn't give him an offer. Right. So then Jeremy just said, his first response was, there are some people that say, I'm only all about the money. <laughs> so mm -hmm. so then gotcha. it was almost the yeah. verbiage. And he just explained. He basically said exactly what I said. He said, Houston was the only team that gave me an offer. So I signed the offer because that's the only thing I could do. And then I thought the Knicks would match it. And then they didn't. So then I had to go to Houston. So Stephen A, um, he has, it's, I don't know if it's tempered his brand or what, but like he's, he's become a lot more palatable to a lot of people, I think now than he was in the beginning. Now that's probably also just a shift of the times of people being ready to take um, sports broadcasters who were themselves brands and personalities, which wasn't really the case in the nineties and even the two thousands. There were guys like Jim Gray and all that. Um, Stephen A, yeah, I, I think I generally take him now when I didn't. Now, i got to tell you, I think um, – I, I don't think I'm wrong on this. I think if you poll the most Asian-American, Asian-Canadian basketball fans, most of them will have a great disdain for Stephen A because of the way he would always just take down Jeremy Lin after the, uh, after the way the Knicks – because after the way he left the Knicks. His whole takedown of Jeremy, I think – that that definitely rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed a bunch of people the wrong way. So it always me sort of too. stuck with people. Me too. Okay. He's, he's then, an idiot. Yeah. But then he came out uh, about a season and a half later when the Knicks had really cratered. I don't know like how they ended up. Because if you recall, like the season after Jeremy was gone, they started doing well. I think they made the playoffs then. But then the, the season after that, they just really fell off a cliff deeper than they'd ever been. And then he sort of went up there and, and the Rockets were doing okay. And then he's, <laughs> he was mock apologizing to just say like, you know, uh, he was wrong and all this. So, um, Stephen A, I, also, I, I look at him a bit like the way Triple H went from being despised in general to eventually just winning the adoration of people because he'd been around so long. Um, you know, that, that's kind of like that, that heel eventually he becomes face because he's been around just for, for a really long time, like the Iron Sheik. He's yeah. actually, you know, he really is like the Iron Sheik, uh, just, just this over-the-top well, personality who once, had eventually just enough. become... One's complete fantasy, and the fact is, is that when Stephen A. They're Smith, both fantasy. They're, they're both. No, fantasy. I, I just, I disagree because, and I'll get to that in a second. I mean, what do you think? What do you think actually matters in this world? Triple H turning face and then baby face, and his fans jumping on board, or Jeremy Jeremy Lin having to turn on his DMs because of something that um, something that Stephen A. Smith said. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Okay, um, the, the fact is is that the reason why I don't like these guys is okay. it's the malice. It's 
Okay. They are just they're they're working for a paycheck and they, they don't well, care. They don't they don't care how many fires they cause. And well what he was doing though, right? He was protecting Mello. Mello was his boy. Yeah, and I don't so, I don't I don't care. Even even worse. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole the whole the whole the reason why Steven so what you just said was perfect because you said that he's you know, he said some things and he's been tamed the last couple of years, and we've even given examples of how he's walked things back. So, so what does that tell you? It tells you the guy's a complete fraud. He's flavor of the month, what's going to incite a reaction, yeah. walk it back in the coming weeks, and then have revisionist history years later of how he describes player X career or player X and year Y. Right? I mean, that's just it's just it's just this this formula that um, I'm sorry, like uh, I have. Yeah, no, I have, I, I've, I have, I have zero respect for him. He the, also, he, he also, did you want to, did you want to comment further? Like the a bit of a tan, just he will, like he was always seen as protecting Mello, and I think among when I talked about the Asian American circles, I think Mello's brand will always be like his, like that's ten years ago. People think about Mello in different light. I think Asian fans view him. As sabotaging what could have been something special in New York, and yeah. that's it's, it's always there. And him and Stephen A. It's, and Mike Woodson. It's just I think that's a trifecta of a hatchet job. Mm. Um, I think I don't think Asian Canadian Asian American fans have ever. If you poll them, I think that that's very clear in their mind. And so I think that's like a that's a triumvirate right there. Okay. Um, anyway, but Stephen A. Uh, I felt like it evolved. But what were you going to say? Well. <sighs> Stephen A. Smith's always had a special relationship with the boxing community, and 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 what he does is he brings on up and comers that aren't mainstream yet, mainstream okay. yet onto a show. Like so, I'll give him credit. He had Errol Spence Jr. at a time that really no one knew who he was, and you know this guy is probably going to be the next Floyd Mayweather, hopefully with zero controversies. Just well, actually, no, he actually totaled his uh, Ferrari uh, so soon after a fight. But the the point is, is that he's actually um, he's actually done some good. In at least that community, right? And I assume he's done similar things for college athletes and had him on his show and all that. Okay. Um, you would think that someone that's been around boxing as long as he would and someone that's been around, he claims to know a lot about UFC and all these sports. Okay. Um, I'm just not buying. I don't think he knows <laughs> a lot about sports. I'm, I'm trying to think of the thing where I was just blown away. Oh, because, yeah, because, well, that's because, what I want to ask you about. You're an MMA fan. You're an AFC fan. So did you catch what Joe Rogan was talking about with uh, Stephen A. Smith and the Donald Cerrone reviews there? So, so just for everyone who's not familiar, what happened was Donald Cerrone loses his fight to Conor McGregor. Stephen A. Smith says accuses Donald Cerrone of quitting in the middle of the fight and not fighting back. And then um, so Joe Rogan and then the post-fight interview, Joe Rogan was trying to just talk about how Conor just had a had a, just a, basically a flawless fight and was just executed very well. And Stephen A kind of disregarded what Joe was saying and kept talking about Donald Cerrone being a quitter. On Joe Rogan's podcast, he just basically said, I don't know shit about basketball, so I'm not going to go there and just talk about basketball like I don't know it. Stephen A. Smith doesn't know anything about UFC, and he shows up and he's just talking about it like he knows it. And then, then Joe Rogan explains kind of more in details to like what he saw happen. Stephen A. doubles down, talks about like still, still backing himself up, still not apologizing. And I just remember uh, Joe Rogan showing some clips of Stephen A. practicing boxing where he's throwing yes. – and then Joe Rogan called yes. his dick punches because he's punching super low. I don't know why. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But anyway, so that that's the context what we're talking about for anybody who's not yeah. aware, because I don't think but, it's that well known. But so, so tell me. Um, so so take that. Take <laughs> Stephen A. Smith not knowing anything about UFC, and Carvin copy that to boxing. I've heard him speak boxing. I've heard him say stuff like. Conor McGregor has a chance because the fight's at 154 pounds. I'm like, you fucking moron. Like, <laughs> um, no, he has zero chance. Floyd, he, Floyd doesn't, you can say what you want about Floyd Mayweather zero? Jr. Zero chance, not even like 1%, 2%. You didn't, you, you just thought 0% chance Conor can't land a single punch. And 0% that chance it. that Conor McGregor would have a chance at Floyd Mayweather with three months of training, not in a boxing gym, of course. Zero. And, Zero is really extreme, right? Yeah, I was like, did you? Because zero is like, I'm not going to watch a fight because I know what the result's going to be. Zero was I watched the fight and I'm like, okay. Well, then Connor it's not. Almost Connor almost. So then it's a one percent, right? I just mean that it's for, no, 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 for I'm like a, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan. I will watch. I, it's, it's just well, no, it's not true because See, it's like me. It's like me watching Game Six of the 1997 NBA Finals. I know what's going to happen. I'm still going to watch it. But you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. The whole, the whole point, though, that just we're kind of, I don't want to go too deep, but like just for people to say that Connor would have zero chance, zero. Like that's what, no, that's what Stephen A and Max Cullum and all them were saying on first take. Zero chance. That's what they're, that's what I recall them saying. Um, all these boxing guys. They're boxing guys. They're not UFC guys. And Yo, that's, so, so Max, Max, Max so, the, re the reason why Max Kellerman would say that is because he's, he's a boxing guy. He's trying to protect this. And so is Stephen fans. A. Like they were all saying zero. And I think that that's, that's a well, bit extreme. Like it's not Stephen zero. Stephen didn't say zero. Stephen actually gave Conor McGregor. A, um, he, he was he was actually well. Then maybe actually, saying more than one thing in different yeah. platforms, but like no, for sure he was no, he was completely uh, flip flopping. It was a compilation of him yeah. depending on what media outlet he went on, and Jim Gray as well. But um, it's not yeah. But it's not far fetched to say that a elite professional fighter striker. He's not. It's it's also not too that it's like he's just a grappler like Khabib. Khabib. Like no, but like at least Connor, who had a who had a uh, reach advantage, who had who had striking capability. Like you didn't know, like if he could just nail like one or two good square shots. Just I and mean, would they be fortuitous? Would they have been low? Like would that have happened ten fights in a row? No, but could he have? Like yeah, uh, it wouldn't be out of the question that yeah. someone of Connor's capability could have won. So and that's what I'm saying. Sure. But anyway, so yeah. So the well, okay. Forget that because I was um, the Conor McGregor Floyd okay. Mayweather was such a. But you're saying so fight. Stephen A. doesn't know boxing. No, he was picking no because again back to Errol Spence Jr. He you know I remember one fight he was picking Cal Brook to win and it was just okay. he had never seen a Cal Brook fight because someone was like <laughs> oh how did Cal Brook look in that fight and I think he was describing the opposite fighter I mean this guy is just he's, he's just a hack he's just he doesn't he's. All sizzle, no steak, and I really can't say okay. that about anyone else. He really is not a subject matter expert. I think he's just eloquent in his bullshit that <laughs> he's able to um, monetize that somehow and just gig after gig after gig. Um, well, it's also to keep going the way he does, the volume of content he puts out, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, every single day. That's a, that's a skill on its own. Yes, now, I think part of the criticism is related to the fact that He's a guy that really, and his career is sort of built on it, is his relationships with the athletes. He pushes his guys, right? 
which like, is which is so, which I have a which I have a problem yeah, with. So too. you can and it's fair to dislike that, but that's part of the package when it comes to him, right? You can see that he's pushing his guys. Now, um, we're I noticed that we're talking a lot about TV guys. I mean, because TV guys are going to be polarizing this way, but when you read the actual articles, like. Um, I think like, like I mentioned a few guys like Kirk Goldsberry, I mean, they're on their own podcast, but like Kirk Goldsberry, Zach Lowe, Tim Bontemps, like when they write articles, they're quite thoughtful. Jackie McMullen, like these are all quite thoughtful, uh, basketball media personalities. You can see like the depth of thought they, and Jackie McMullen has seen a lot, like she's got a lot of interesting insights. I'm surprised I don't hear her do many more interviews outside of ESPN. Um, so I think. Yeah, I, I pretty much feel about the same way as you do, but that's why I don't really follow like cable TV. It's sort of like politics. Like I won't watch, I won't rely on cable TV for my politics news, right? Because okay. it's there to just- Yeah, I, I understand. But what has, so uh, you're right. And, and, you know, full disclosure, I don't, I hardly read. I'm just, you know, basically whatever free Atlantic articles I can get. Okay. And, uh, and Deadspin and the Ringer when it was around. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I consume my, my print media. Question, you brought up Ringer, the Ringer. You follow the Ringer. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of the personalities out of there that follow the, the league? Um, so I only had, um, you know, and, and uh, when I bring up these publications, I do have to apologize. It's, it's basically for me following the MMA content. Uh, I guess my okay. basketball um, coverage, I, I'll, you know, I'll uh, I'll admit I I do click on the the dead spin um you know clickbait stuff um sometimes okay. it's good sometimes it's not but no I I couldn't name you one so one ringer the, personality for the coverage oh, basketball. Okay. Well, you know, like Bill, you know the story, right? Bill Simmons had started Grantland. Yes, and, I know, I know, I know the story. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay, so Bill Simmons, I got, I, he's he's one of my favorites. He comes up with a lot Me of too. insight, and I would say 90 percent of the stuff I agree with that comes out of his mouth. Ryan Rossillo, yeah, maybe eighty-five, eighty percent. I would say those other guys, Kevin O'Connor, Jason Concepcion, um, there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Like those guys, just got to go away. I just find them. Super annoying. I listen. I've listened. I've tried to listen to the NBA Ringer show. Just the way they cover the game, they sound like Toronto sports fans. Like just oh, that really? smarminess, guys who like, uh, like they just. It's it's really negative. It's really condescending. The, the way they dis- they talk about players. Um, you can dislike a certain player if you think that they're just not good, but unless that guy is shown, he's just a, like lacking integrity or lacking in character, then you don't badmouth the guy who's trying his best, right? That, that's, my, that's kind of my take. Um, I'm okay sort of criticizing, like for example, Jonas Valanciunas, if I think that he's a bit weak and I'm like, and I wasn't even really criticizing. I'm just, all of my comment was in the previous, in a previous pod was I explain how I could see why the Raptors would trade him. Like, I, I don't think he needs to be up on that pedestal the way that you do, but, but these guys take it to this other level where they, they the way they almost talk about the athletes the way Stephen A talked about Donald Cerrone in a way and actually yeah. even at a worse level in a way because they're joking about it. I just I just didn't usually I try to listen to a whole podcast to give it a chance. I couldn't do it. So that sucked. I thought that the thing about what I what I the reason I think that that happens is because like Bill and Ryan they actually worked for ESPN. They worked for a credible like sports media business. And when you they, do they that, know the game. 
Well, yeah, you you know it. You've been professionalized, and also when you actually have to build those kinds of relationships with the athletes, then you 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 you. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm saying you cater to them, which is not what journalism is, but you you learn how to maintain a bit of decorum, right? Um, and like, I, it, it's surprising too how so many different reporters, they don't understand like just, just how you would maintain relationships, how you build those. It's funny, there was, I think it might've been Chris Haynes, I'm not sure, who was being interviewed by Bill Maher, uh, sorry, Bill Simmons. And, and, and he was explaining how when he was covering LeBron or the Cavs and he wrote an article that was a bit critical and LeBron sort of pulled him aside and said, yeah, you know, it's okay if I understand you're doing your job, you're going to write that article. But if you're going to write such an article, just, you know, give me a heads up so I know. So then Chris is just like telling Bill Simmons, like, yeah, so that to me, that was like a lesson. And so Bill like kind of left. Uh, he's like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, I think yeah. that was one of those moments when you're listening to someone tell you about this realization that they had and mm -hmm. you're thinking, what? Like, how come? You didn't know that before. I didn't know that this needed to be explained to you. So yeah. Anyway, I, um, I, 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 I to to piggyback off that. I mean, we saw in the last dance how Sam Smith. Um, sorry. Oh, okay. Did, am I saying Sam Smith? No. Yeah, uh, Sam Smith. Yeah, Chicago yeah. Bulls beat writer. Yeah. yeah. Why do I think of the singer? Same name, right? Okay, so okay. Um, Sam Smith writes the book, and yep, still Jordan, covering yeah. Jordan. And yeah. I guess they just were always a little bit on the up and up. I'm like, listen, this is the game. You're the player. I'm the journalist. But, you know, let's, um, you know, let's like, like two boxers, right? Just, you know, just keep the, just keep the blows above the kidneys and, you know, we can both do our jobs. Right. And um, here in Canada, here in Toronto, I don't know if you remember who uh, Steve Simmons is for the Toronto sun. No, but no. I mean, he's all right. He's, I guess, our equivalent to some of these heathens we, we talk about <laughs> uh, for ESPN and Fox and all that shit, right? But the funny thing about Steve Simmons is he'll write a scathing article about Matt Sundin or how Phil Kessel, when he was a Toronto Maple Leafs, would order three hot dogs at 10 p.m. at the intersection of King and Queen. And you know the King and Queen don't intersect, right? It was, it was this just ridiculous article that he would write. But the very next day because he's also a beat reporter is asking Phil, Phil, Phil Kessel a question. Right. And, and uh, so it's almost like I almost tip my hat up more to him than I do these other guys because they really hide behind their studio shows and their tweets and all that, because they, they're not beat reporters. They don't have to FaceTime with these athletes. They're, they're completely in um, the pro wrestling of sports media. And, um, whereas at least a guy like Steve Simmons, who I also think is a bit of a hack, but listen, he'll write the article one day, he'll show up like a man and, you know, ask a question and there might be a bit of a discussion and, you know, he'll, he'll take it. He, he, he gets it. Right. So I almost, well, there's, so there's graduations to goonery, right. Is what I'm trying to say. And with that being said, I think, um, I think we've um, I think we've all become oversaturated with the term troll and hater. Um, so anyway, um, it's amazing. We're like we got through this this uh, pod without even really talking about the inside crew. It's just we almost have to set a separate pod to talk about those guys. Um, which 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 for me they're yeah. yeah I mean I, I, those guys are great and um, and, and it's funny because. Um, 
things that I've, because I've been consuming more basketball, I'm, I'm more sold on the fact that, man, I just, I, I really can't stand. Uh, oh, that's shots. hilarious. I, I really think that they're yeah. great. Um, insightful, yeah. entertaining. They're more of a late night talk show type program than they are uh, then if, if, that's the case, program. If, if that's the case then Shaq needs better writers because i mean charles barkley can't say a single point without Shaq being like a someone with championship experience like all right bro <laughs> you've, been, you've been saying this for like you know donkey's years um i'd be um what is this funny i don't know it's probably just, yeah. it's just the way jordan would do that same thing he would just do that you know yeah, that jordan would keep saying this to guys too it's just it's just yeah. funny um, um but I, anyway so man well, speaking of speaking of Charles Barkley, I mean, I yeah. I think he encompassed um, what I've always thought about Skip Bayless perfectly is that um, he said that I found a clip of him saying he's a punk with no talent who picks on famous people, and it's just <laughs> like wow, that's so true. He he has his targets. I mean, so just 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 to contextualize, I I don't I don't think I hate anyone, but I really despise Skip Bayless. Sean Puffy Combs and Dana White, probably more than anyone <laughs> on the face of this earth for, okay. for varying reasons and overlapping reasons. Um, okay. I think with Skip is that, and here's, a, here's the problem with Skip is that these response that he invokes from guys like Charles Barkley is just confirmation bias of why these athletes can't stand people who have never played the game. And that's, it's terrible because you and I have never played the game and we don't see stuff like that. And there's GMs in the NBA who have never played at a high level too, yet they have an eye for talent. So um, Skip Bayless is certainly, you know, uh, spoiling that, um, that barrel of apples. Um, yeah. yeah. I just, I just, listen, Skip, I don't know what his deal is, but uh, you know, he's a bully. He's a fake. I, even if he does have an authentic moment, I really, can't give it much uh, credit given his past. Um, I I really don't know of anything um, better to say than, than he's a coward because <laughs> we've we've seen him have his confrontational interviews with athletes and guess what they've all stuck. I mean I I would love for people to check out the clip of him and and, um, and Richard Sherman and he's never had Richard Sherman on again. That's for sure. Richard Sherman was just too much smoke that way. You know, one thing I, I recommend in terms of a good read is uh, Sprawl Ball by Kirk Goldsberry. So he did a bachelor in geography and history or something like that at Harvard. So he was in the Spurs. He worked in the Spurs in the front office, I think in analytics. So he basically charted out shot charts over the years and how the three-point line has moved the game in different directions. Mm-hmm. And he shows how it's just going to eradicate the big man. And then he actually comes up with a, different, a few different ideas, proposals to try and balance out the, the game. So it's not just, not just so guards only, right? And he talked about trying to preserve the game from just deviating too far away from where it is. So he thinks that actually when we talked about the Spurs heat in 2013, 2014, he, he, mm-hmm. he viewed that as the apex of how great the game can be and great how great the game was. So I, I recommend that book to anybody. What who, um uh, what current stuff. what current player or maybe recently ex player um, do you see kind of um, moving into that sports media foray and just uh, um, and you just, just I got my guy. Okay. So I, I think that um, uh, I'm trying not to say Draymond Green because like that's the obvious one. Sure. Is, I mean, it though? He, is it though? You, do you think he did a good job over these? Um, yeah, yeah, he weeks? did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that he had the personality for the show. 
he could fit right in there. I think in terms of current other current players, for some reason, I kind of think it's Clay Thompson. Okay, I was going to – wow. I was, I was kind of thinking him too. Yeah, like he, uh, he's, so, he's so solid in all the interviews that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You can put him in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. He's likable. He also, like, when he leaves basketball, like, what production company does he have? What foundation has he set up? Like, what will he do with his time? Yeah. I kind of think that he would do something like broadcasting, right? Like, and he's, I think so. I think you could find him somewhere doing that. Kind of like what Chauncey, he basically would be like Chauncey Billups or like a pretty prominent figure who's, or Paul Pierce, right? So, it's an interesting criteria that it takes. You got to be somebody who's not too big. Like it doesn't make any sense at all for someone like LeBron or, or no, you're right. Like to be in that, he, that's just, he's just too big for that. Right. And then it's got to be somebody who's had a long enough career that they, um, they either had to have had a long enough career to have uh, like good FaceTime or somebody that just really captured well on screen, like Damon Jones, who's on first take here and there. Like oh, he somehow okay. gets airtime. Um, I, he's not my favorite at all. Actually, I put him on the below pass mark, but, and then somebody who's got some stuff to say, like Perk. I, I never, Perk's the one that surprised me because I never really heard him talk all that much as a player. And I didn't know that he was like that, that forget whether or not you agree with what he says here and there, but like, you just, for TV, you gotta have, and he actually does have kind of some insights that are like, oh, okay, I never really thought of it that way. I don't know if I agree with you, but you're at least getting me to think about this. And he's generally like a, a pro pro-social type of person like a lot of his commentary is not really negative it's more positive in general um what, but what's with what's with these um you know larger than life athletes who played basketball like you know no one's gonna say that perkins was sportsman of the year when he played yeah. and I, I find that a lot in football and hockey as well kind of like you picture these the most machoist of men that played the game the alpha way suddenly turn into sports commentators and they're so righteous <laughs> about how the yeah. game should be played. Um, what What's up with that? Because like Ken, Kendrick Ferguson is just like the latest in the last, yeah. I don't know, 50 that I've known that have, have just turned into that type of analyst where they're just like, they're shaming players for stuff that they pretty much did during their playing career. Well, it's a bit of do as I, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, like people, so. people aren't aware of all the, not everybody's aware of what they do or say, right? Like they just suppose, you know, people got their moments. Um, yeah. But anyway, man, I think it was good. So anybody, everybody, uh, you got it. We'd love to hear from you, who you like, who you dislike, what your thoughts are. Um, we, I'm, I'm sure that this is probably going to come up at different times, just different check-ins because there's different, uh, the media is just, the media has basically become its own, own like forum right now it's no longer are they just covering the game they're 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 being covered as well so no man it's good so bayheightspot at gmail.com at bayheightspot on twitter and instagram please rate review subscribe all right man thanks take care take care everyone